Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hello, happy Tuesday, y'all. Welcome to another episode of the Birth Lounge Podcast. Today's episode is one I am so excited to have you listen in on. And here's the reason. We're talking about obstetrical violence. And I think that when I say those two words, people often think violent things. I mean, why wouldn't you? That's literally the term that we use but sometimes the manipulation and the coercion that happens in the birth room can actually be a bit more covert than that it can be very sly and manipulative and sneaky and unless you are acutely tuned in to everything that's happening which is really hard if you are also laboring and trying to manage your contractions and, you know, protect yourself and keep yourself in that labor land or that birth brain and that very special part of our brain that is specifically designed to help you birth your baby, we want to be very aware of it. So, today... I have pulled the audio from a behind-the-scenes conversation that we had within the birth lounge. And in the birth lounge, I have what we call the experts lounge. And once a month, I post a video that is a raw, unedited version of a chit-chat with a professional that has something to do with women's health or having a baby or motherhood from midwives to pelvic floor physical therapists to mental health counselors to lactation consultants. I've tried to give an expert in all the really major places that you need to turn to when you're having a baby. But nobody talks about obstetrical violence. And so I had one of our lead doulas, Caitlin LeBeau, on as an expert. And it was totally an unplanned conversation. It happened after we were having a one-on-one and it just blossomed into a conversation where I thought, wow, people could really benefit from hearing this, hearing these stories, hearing these experiences and learning how they can protect themselves going forward. So 
I am going to share this audio clip from the birth lounge and then I will circle back to you at the end. I hope you enjoy. One of the things Caitlin and I want to talk to you about obstetrical violence, which is like such a violent term, right? Which I don't want to, I don't want to harp on that. And I also don't, don't want to like continue to say that, but Caitlin and I are going to tell you of some situations where there were very clear manipulations. And it, I think um, what I'm trying to say is obstetrical violence may not look like actual violence. Like they're not going to be like beating you up. They are not, it doesn't look like an episiotomy. Like sometimes it does, but it's not always physical. Right. And it's not always aggressive. So it's not always a come at you with like, oh, whoa, can you back off? It's something where they're talking to you in like dumbed down terms and they're like being your friend and they're super nice and they're just trying to look out for you. And it doesn't come off as aggressive. That's a, that's a tactic they're using. That is something that they are using to kind of get you to do what they're saying essentially which is that's true it's so hard to say that right because we're so conditioned to like trust doctors and trust in the utmost and like not question them but that is actually how we got ourselves into that situation and I think that it is not about aggressively like batting heads with your doctor it is more so just questioning like okay that is your suggestion let me just double check that what you're saying is actually evidence-based and if there is you know like Maybe anything else that could be influencing this, like <clears throat> hospital policy or insurance policy, malpractice policy. There are lots of policies that might have your doctor's hands tied. Um, and this is like actually truly serious. You, you might want to ask your doctor about these things. I actually do recommend just like asking them you know, what kind of pressures they have and where their hands are tied. It's really nice to have that open communication with your doctor. A good doctor will tell you. Um, A good doctor is going to be able to tell you multiple things like that, you know, there are big broken pieces in maternity care right now. Any doctor that can't tell you that, you got a big problem. What were you going to say? This conversation, I like that you pressed, you pointed on that fact of like having a conversation with your provider. And we talk about this so much in the lounge, but you really seriously should be able to have these conversations with your provider and feel that it's a two-sided conversation. And it's not just one-sided, not what they say goes. It's, you know, you can push back a little bit and ask these questions. And if they're not able to give you those answers, you should be able to go home or take 20 minutes to think through what your options are or do the research on your own. Or if you have a doula or you have a partner, talk to them before you are making any of these like game time decisions. If it's truly in an emergency, something will have to happen right at that moment. But if there isn't an immediate emergency, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to take this time to like think things through. Um, That conversation piece is super, super important. I don't know. I mean, I never, I don't like pick a best friend or I don't like have a friend who won't listen to my conversations or like listen to what I have to say. And I wouldn't choose that in a provider that has, is fair taking care of me and like taking care of my body and my baby and all this, like you really want to have, it's a relationship, but you have to bond with them and you have to be able to talk through these things. And if you can't, then there's, there's an issue there. There really is. Yeah. Honesty is like so, so big, but something that you reminded or that you said reminded me of a bait and switch. 
which we just experienced. Good. We get them every now and then, guys, but they are, they're far and few between in this community because I think we, our bullshit meter is like really high. Do not bring that around me. I will spot it. I will call it for what it is. I will let you know as my client that I feel this is bullshit or I feel this is manipulation or I want you to really question why your doctor might be doing something. And we generally resolve it right there. Um, you have a couple options. You can call it bullshit to your doctor and say like, hey, I just want to call this and just make sure that going forward, we don't really have anything that's not evidence-based. I'm really only interested in evidence-based stuff. And if the hospital policy prevents you from giving me like the most current stuff, I would just appreciate you giving me that heads up. I understand you can't suggest that, but I would love if you would just let me know the last year that the policies of the hospital have been revisited or were made or any of that jazz. You have so much control here, right? Um, but a bait and switch. Okay. What was that? It was so heartbreaking because well, during know. the pregnancy, they were amazing. Yeah. Are you, I don't know which, are you talking about this one that we last had where the mom was overdue and went into labor or went into an appointment and they basically had told her, um, you know, we're going to have to do an induction because your baby is past due. They were what, like 40 plus two, 40 plus three or something, which we know average baby comes out. Oh, that's right. They were. were. So I wasn't talking about this one, okay. but I want to keep going because yeah. this one is really good. There and are a few in my brain. I was like trying to pick out which ones you were talking about, which is also terrible to say that there are a few births that we've had recently where things have gone awry and kind of like manipulation has occurred and we can't. In like the worst way, like a bait and switch is the, you earned my trust. And then you tricked me. Yep. Yep. So this one, so they went in, they realized, they went, they were offered an induction. They went home, they did the research, they thought yeah. about it. They decided to do like a natural induction method instead. And then went through that for like a couple, I think it was a whole weekend. And then they went back or they gave their doctor a provider a call. And at that point they were like, oh, we don't have any beds until Tuesday. And that's it following day at yeah in the evening fear and, well if I needed an induction four days ago <laughs> and now I'm asking to now I'm comfortable coming in for a medical induction but you're pushing it a day and plus some so now I'm not but it was over at that point because they were like we can't promise that everything's gonna be safe and it was it game over right you pull out fear like that yep What'd you say? I was just saying these poor parents have now, they were like, did we make the right decision? Should we have done this induction three days ago? Your baby's not ready. Your baby's not ready. But to then say, oh, sorry, you missed your chance for the induction. Now you have to wait two full days, which is longer <laughs> than what you're comfortable going, but we don't have the room for you. And, and then they even called so it, wild. what did they say? They said it wasn't, um, like an emergency induction or it wasn't a scheduled induction. Um, and so they didn't have enough beds available and it's it like elective elective. That's what it is. Sorry. Um, it's not an, like it's an elective. So if this is elective and I have the choice, but I don't see it. Like, but they had already used fear. They had already said, but we can't promise everything is going to be said. I mean, it is, that is so BS. That is so BS. 
I just can't handle being told that you need to have your baby without having gotten out of that window of where we know a first time baby is going to be born like 40 plus five. If you're expecting your baby before that, why? Mm-hmm. And then, honestly, why? And providers are calling it a late baby or an overdue baby. And that is instilling, instilling fear in these parents, especially when you're at the end of pregnancy and you're like, honestly, I do just want this baby out. And if he, it, yeah, if they're late, then they're late. And this is the route we have to take. Is your baby actually late though? No. Did you see me today? I told someone, I was like, in parentheses, but this baby isn't late. Um, let's park the brakes on that one. Let's slow our roll just a little bit with our language. Do a language check because it matters for your mindset. Oh my God. Okay. That one was really bad. That one was really bad because you know what? All of that pressure of making them teeter totter of like, gosh, you said we need an induction and now we're like pushing it. And like, is it optional? It's so weird. Like we're, what's the thing? It caused that labor to start off in a mindset of questioning themselves, of confusion, of already thinking that her body had done something really crazy. What'd you say? Questioning their doctor and about, Oh my gosh. And the trust that they had. Right. And I told totally, and the trust in the hospital. Yep, going into labor with that mindset already or going into a delivery with that mindset already. Oh, it was hard. Terrible. It's really hard. Okay, what one what bait and switch are you hard? Oh. I need to hear. Where all of the pregnancy they were really great. Mm. This could have been um this had the potential to be a baby that had some trouble, right? At birth and ended up being totally fine and labor started naturally and early yeah yeah baby was early and but things were good baby was like in a good position we had kind of made it to the mark where doctor had said like yeah baby can come at any time but things are so gentle and 16 hours 16 hours oh and then the change happens yeah. Shift change happened, right? And we got wh- how horrible that your reputation is the strict doctor. Oh, I'm dead. Okay, don't come into my room. Do not come into my room. Don't come into. And wait, wait. And a nurse is what said that to them, was it not? Shift change was happening. Yeah. The nurse has said, so just to let you know, I'm. Be careful. Be careful. Yeah. Literally, this provider of that same hospital is calling bullshit on this doctor who's about to come in that is wild that is crazy and yeah and she knew yeah you knew right and this poor mom didn't have the op that didn't know or i don't know what i mean she totally could have been like i don't want that doctor the doctor's not being the one that delivers my baby mom was so nice though the entire time that we were working with her what no it was No, it was that approach to the doctor. Also, how inappropriate that, so here's my thing. I have such a huge problem with the hierarchy being the provider and then the patient. And like, everyone's looking up to this provider. Like, no, that's not who's paying you. That's not who body this is. That's not who has to live on the story. That's not whose birth this is. It's not whose baby this is. That is really weird. This person is a hired person. So if we like want to look at this as a business, since 
birth is a business. If you haven't seen that documentary, you 1000% should. Um, the business of being born is what it's called. It's will open your eyes to how much of, um, truly we as birthing people can be cash cows for hospitals. Like seriously, um, we can go from bringing in like a little bit of income to like being a major source of income and fish that out. If they see, like they will see. Oh my God. This drug dogs. I mean, they are like this birth is perfect for Pitocin, right? Like we'll just start around Pitocin. Let's not give any other options because Pitocin is the going to make us the most money or it's going to be the most whatever it is for them and they're just they they'll do whatever they can they'll say you can go that route but pitocin is probably if something happened yep right okay let's circle back to pitocin because we have a good story about that but birth shift change happens strict doctor on call comes in says let's get you prepped for a c-section Literally, I was on the phone. I was like, excuse me. Are you in the right room? I'm sorry. This is the first time. It is the first time we are seeing your face. You have not introduced yourself. Third of all, I'm sorry. This is the first time we're hearing these words. Why is it coming from you? And you haven't even checked in with us on what is happening, what our birth goals are, how long, how long we've been in labor. It had been 16 hours. What happened? The fear that that doctor brought in and was like, your labor is so long. Like, she literally said, I don't think this is going to happen for you, kiddo. I feel nauseous saying those words. Like, I literally feel physically repulsed from hearing that. That is so rude and disrespectful, kiddo. Kiddo. I'm paying you. I'm paying. I literally am your boss. I hired you. You are helping me have one of the most transitional places in my life. And you're going to call me kiddo. I am so just upset by and disturbed as well. Like that was just the utmost respect, uh, disrespect. So wow. Bait and switch, right? In pregnancy, were they not amazing? I was so excited. I was like, wow, this is going to be amazing birth totally different and that is a slippery slope right right that is how fast it can go down yeah exactly so it goes to show you could prepare 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 and be awesome in labor and or in pregnancy you've done all of the work you know how long labor is supposed to be you know the research you know the stats and then you go into your your birth and you're in this emotional vulnerable state and this doctor comes in and starts their conversation just like that and you just immediately you mean you could have prepared double than what this mom prepared and you still you know if you're not looking out for these things you still can be manipulated by these doctors because it really is just such a like like step back like a whoa did you really just come in? Also, here? like, you are tired and you're working hard and you're exhausted and you're mentally exhausted and you are just, like, ready for this to be over, right? And, and anything that can be used as a dangly fruit or a shiny object in front of you must be used with respect and it must be used with intentional language and that 
right there is where I see the most providers give like the most awful care. Really. It's almost it's like, like anything. It's like these providers are make like wanting these moms to second guess themselves. Like this mom yeah. has been laboring for Gross. whatever, 16 hours. 16 hours is a long time. Is it a long time in birth? Not really. Like not at all. It's not even the average amount of the first time mom births for. So six eight hours to go. Right. Six to even hours. reach the lowest like first time mom, like twenty-four hours. But then you have a doctor coming in, a doctor who sees this every day, who does this multiple times a day, is coming in to then say, This labor has really taken a long time. And you're oh, is it taking a long time? I thought sixteen like I guess it has been a long time. You're right. It, but when we've talked about it, wait, wait, wait. What gets me is when we have talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. I don't get it. I yeah. don't get it. But also, it just, you're in a vulnerable state. Anything. I mean, I just had a mom text me today and say that their doctor asked if they wanted to meet their baby early. Do not raise an induction that is going to increase someone's risk of a C-section, which is going to cause so many other risks for complications, as meet your baby early. That was so highly inappropriate. It was incredibly inappropriate, all based on the ARRIVE study, which has been torn to shreds and is not shown to be used for really the general population. You must meet these very specific criteria. Um, it's just, my goodness, don't phrase an induction as meeting your baby. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Yeah, you could meet your baby early, but you could Don't also do have it. six other things. Like this baby could not be ready yet. You could have a NICU stay. You could have. Oh my god! I mean, it's just. What's the other side of that, right? Like, just because you're saying this as a doctor doesn't like what is the other. And option? how do you present that to parents in a way that's not fear based? So I always want to be like, I want to, I want to warn you, but warn is a fear-based word, right? So I want to share with you what might be on the other side of that spectrum if we were to induce a little bit early. Like, is that gentle enough? I don't want it to be fear-based, but I also want to be like, if you induce too early, you actually do risk a NICU stay. You actually do risk, um, actually lots of complications at birth, resuscitation, your baby not being able to hold their temperature, your baby not being able to hold their blood pressure, your baby not being able to hold their blood sugar. Um, there is a lot of complications that can happen if babies are born too early. So we and just want to make sure, totally. I mean, I guess that's why labor is such a big deal. So why would we ever try and pull a baby out before they're ready? It's just so beyond me. It's like everything has a flip of the coin, right? Like you have to think about if there are other factors at play, like money. Like, okay, here's a situation. We had a mom one time who went in at 10 a.m. And still when we were talking to her at 7 p.m., she did not have a room. Is that insane? Insane, but what was she kept at the hospital for? Because they were worried about her baby. You were worried about my baby, but I did not get a room and I was put out in the waiting room for, oh my God, nine hours. Mm -hmm. And you got one back. You got one heart something or other or whatever it is during a contraction. 
Did we push some fluid? Did we take into consideration that the hospital is like really busy and you're stressed out and babies and anxiety proking? Totally. Oh my gosh. And she was having small contractions. Baby's heart do decel in contractions. It's literally anatomy. That's what we expect if you aren't prepared for that and you as the parent don't know that. But here's what gets me again. Here's what gets me again. What happens? Where is that disconnect? We talk about all of this in prenatals. Where is that disconnect that once you get in that room, you can't access that information to say like, oh, wait, it was one time and also it was during a contraction and also I'm stressed the F out. And also this hospital is busy AF today. Also, I just walked up two flights of stairs. I'm out of breath. Yeah. Right. What? What prevents you because in prenatals, we go over all of this is that is the disconnect I'm hung up on. We've got to figure it out. We have to, whether it is something, you know, with the birthing people or their partners, which they're being separated right now. So that's annoying. Um, You know, or is it something in the way that we're teaching? I don't know, but. I don't know if it's anything that you and I or TBH can do or the birth lounge. I think that it really is in, it's in the family's hands the mom and being able to control it and speak up oh yeah and speak up and feel like good about it you've done the work you've talked about these things we've we've stepped you through all of this and it's I mean just confidence yeah Yeah. saying it's the same for everyone or that you know your doctor's wrong by any means it's literally just catch that manipulation when it's happening and and push back on it ask the questions that you should your doctor's not always going to tell you everything unless you ask. Sure. And I think you bring up so many good points right there. Starting with, it's all in your approach of how you say this. Like, don't try and catch them tripping up in a lie. Like, just, you know, simply say like, oh, was thinking X, Y, and Z because the research I had seen showed X, Y, and Z. Like, ask them. Or you could say, you know, I was actually wondering if X, Y, and Z would be an option I know you didn't mention it, but I was wondering if we could explore that or I have some questions of if I might be able to use that or not, right? Your your approach is not you against them. That is not what it is. It is you absorbing everything they say, put it in your toolbox, make sure it feels aligned with you, make sure that it's evidence-based, mm-hmm. and then go for it, right? That's what it or is. Take the time. And come up with a couple of questions that you have. Like, even if you have to, like, really dig down deep to find these questions, I mean, you've got to have questions about what they're offering, right? And even a question can spiral into, like, a conversation about something or can spiral into spiral into your doctor giving you more information. And then from there, you have more questions on that. Like, again, back to, like, that conversation piece, if you just have, like, one or two staple questions that you can ask in a response, like, even just what's the research behind that? Simple enough. And then go from there. I love it. Oh my gosh. And then I circle back to one of those bait and switches that we talked about earlier. And, you know, if a doctor does come barging in like that and like, all right, C-section, let's go, you know, giddy up. You can actually say like, um, we haven't decided right now if we want a C-section, we would actually like a few minutes. And, you know, if it's a, if it's a an emergency, I think they will be very upfront with you and say like, oh, we actually don't have a few minutes. We 
need to go right now. Um, it's very rarely an emergency C-section. We don't have a word for non-emergent C-sections, right? We have scheduled C-sections and we have emergency C-sections and we don't have any sort of like unplanned C-section. This one was just unplanned. We gave it a try and it didn't work. And this one was unplanned, but nothing was emergency about it. Um, nothing makes me cringe more than to hear women say I had an emergency C-section. And I'll say like, oh, what happened? And they're like, yeah, baby just didn't descend. And I'm like, okay, what was the what was the emergency part of that? And they're like, yeah, I mean, okay. baby just didn't descend. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I have to circle to the birth that, I, that we had that I supported in like June or something. And it was during coronavirus. So doulas weren't actually allowed in the hospital at this particular place. And this mom went in, she labored at home so beautifully, so nicely. It was a fairly fast labor at home. She gets to the hospital and she's told that she's nine centimeters. Amazing. So great. Let's get into a labor room and have this baby. Let's like get this going. And then like out of the blue nowhere, we find out it like in a message of it's like, uh, explain later, like, emergency c-section needed and like honestly how why what happened from, from nine centimeters <laughs> the time that you got into that labor and delivery room come to find out it wasn't an emergency at all this mom literally had said she they were preparing for a c-section and while she was lying on the table this doctor had said oh wow looks like baby's heart rate has really like like gotten regular stabilized stabilized yeah um, this mom is on the table getting ready to be cut open. And this poor mom is thinking in her head, like, then why am I on this freaking table right now? But they scared her enough to say, you know, your baby's not, your baby's heart rate isn't, is, you know. I think she asked, I think she asked, like, is this right? Should we keep going? And I believe her nurse was like, we're already here. Thank you. I'm about to sit up right now and push yeah. this baby out. And the OR, what is wrong with you, lady? Get that needle away from me. What's yeah, wrong with you? We talk all the time about how the transition to the hospital is so overwhelming. Totally. And especially mm -hmm. when you do, I mean, that sweet spot is getting to the hospital at eight to nine centimeters. You just did all that work at home, and now we're in the hospital. Oh, my God, yeah. But what I think a lot of moms don't realize is there comes a little bit of rush with that because it's like, okay, we do need to get you to the delivery room or the labor and delivery room to like push this baby out. It's not an immediate, like, let's go, go, go right now. But there is a little bit of a, you know, we can't hang out in triage for very much longer. We got to get you a room and, and get you in a bed or whatever, however you decide to push. That shouldn't be alarming to moms, but I think that it, that kind of, that really sudden change into the labor and delivery room can be very like startling and can then like raise your blood pressure and kind of make baby do funky things. Let's get into that labor room. Let's settle down. Let's calm the room down and then let's continue to labor and then let's have our vaginal birth. Let's not go from a really high hectic triage situation into a high hectic labor and delivery room to then have these crazy numbers and then end up in a c-section so i was shaking my head no because i disagree that it lies with the mom but i actually agree i actually think that it lies with the nurses like why the f are you freaking out do you not do this every single day yes you do take a deep breath you know what happens at nine centimeters you know we have a hot minute or two or three or four relax sure Help this mom feel proud of herself. The 
successful, grounded, like she is literally turning the corner on Newberry Street. For all you people who are not here in Boston with us on Newberry Street for the Boston Marathon, when you turn that corner, you can like see the finish line. It's like that final stretch. And um, for the longest time, which not now with coronavirus, but Nicholas and I used to watch the the Boston Marathon not at the finish line because that's not the best place. It is right there at that corner. When you get to see those people turn that corner and they see that finish line and they're like, oh. Holy shit, I made it. It's just like that nine centimeter mark. It is like, oh my God, I'm here, right? I'm like, I did this. And so that I think, unfortunately, it lies with our nurses. If it doesn't, if it, if your nurses fail you, and that is exactly what they're doing, they are failing you as a labor and delivery nurse. If they hype you up in a way that scares you at that point, and you and your baby are safe, right? That's a little caveat. You guys got to be safe. It does fall with you. It is on your responsibility, right? To keep yourself grounded and either to like remind your nurse in a very stern way of like, hey, I'm safe and my baby is safe. Do you mind just dialing it down a little bit or grabbing a nurse that, you know, maybe is a little bit more comfortable with where my labor is? I think that would be probably a hard conversation to have if you're at nine centimeters. So maybe have a code word um, for like, eh, I need a new nurse, um, you know, for your partner and your partner can ask that. But unfortunately, you coronavirus, you might be by yourself when that nurse, um, you know, does that check and, and handles this. So you might have to have that conversation. But just be prepared to set that boundary and say, look, I'm actually at a good place. I trust my body. I'm and you don't have to say all these words, but set the boundary of. I am relaxed. You too need to pipe down and be relaxed because your anxiety is bleeding into me. Yeah. Right. And I guess that's what I meant when I was explaining the story is like too, this mom went into in, I watched her walk into the hospital in the most relaxed, calm state. Her breathing was, good. we did not think she was like, actually, we literally thought she was centimeters earlier in her labor. Yeah. Oh yeah. I thought she had a whole night to labor at home and she was like, no, I got to go to the hospital right now. And we were like, okay, let's go. And, and she got to the hospital and literally, oh my gosh, I can't. Yeah. But it just, I mean, you could be the most relaxed person ever. And then you go in and you hear these medical providers talking yeah. nonsense around you or just hyping you up in the wrong ways. And you just completely forget about what was happening 10 seconds before that. And you're just focused on you know, what your nurses and doctors are. Or even, even them using bad language around you, like not being mindful of their language, right? It doesn't have to be intentional. It is so just them like not being aware of what they like, just watch what comes from your mouth. Just yeah. be aware. Um, and if you're not going to not use scary terms, then can you please use medical lingo that no one understands? And it'll, it'll feel like you're, you know, talking a different language. Um, this is a good place to mention. Just step out of the room, right? And, and figure this out with another nurse. Don't talk to another nurse while you're in the room with this laboring mom. Talk over her like she's not there and then make her feel even smaller than she probably already is feeling. All these things. And, and ask for that. I was just going to say, as a birthing partner, you can literally say, could you please have this conversation outside the room so yes. that I can be peaceful and quiet in my own bubble here? Yes. 
Yeah. Love it. This is also a great time to, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say these, these nurses, I mean, it is, I mean, this is their job, right? We, I go to my job. Well, my other job every day. And I kind of just go through the motions of things, right? And each client is each client, each patient is each patient. And we're just, we're, we're going through the motions. And I think a lot of these nurses go through those same things of like, they're not, they're not always thinking about the language they use, but as soon as someone kind of can call them out for that and catch them on that, they're like, Oh shit, I guess I like, you're right. Internally. I need, like, I need to calm myself down because I need to help this laboring mom. So it's as simple as just speaking up there. I feel like for the nurses, they're not always meaning to, to do these things or to talk about these things or to, to cause like stress in the room. I just think it's like, and it's just innate in them sometimes. And they just need to be checked about, checked about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I just, I'm thinking about nurses now too, that have caused a lot of problems in labor and it is really bad when at shift change, you can literally see a difference in contractions. It is like, I mean, it's devastating if you get a shitty shift change and you go from like amazing rock in the contractions and they completely stop because you get a terrible nurse or it is game changing if you, you know, get a Debbie Downer as a nurse and then shift change happens and you get someone who's like really good. And um, it can be the difference in a labor. And, you know, honestly, I've, I've learned something this year in 2020 throughout this coronavirus thing is that there is no space in birth for you to say, well, she's not bothering me that much. So if you have to tack on that much, then that person needs to go. Um, it, it's not you, it should not be a like, well, you know, it's okay. She's not being that rude. If you have to tag, if you have to tap tag on that whole, that like little caveat of like, well, it's not that much or like, I'm not that scared or, you know, it, it needs to go. It needs to go. It kind of goes back to that rule of being like a hell yes or a no thank you. Like it shouldn't be like, a, I mean, we can get a cervical check if I need. You don't need. Right. Go back to the science. You don't need cervical checks. We don't need them. If we do, we need to be making sure that we're asking the question, what are we going to do with this information? If we're not making a decision or helping your mental health, which means giving you some reassurance or giving you a check that you need or helping your anxiety, then we don't need it. Totally. We don't need it. That is literally what the science says, right? Totally. Oh man. Oh man. Okay. This was good. What else? What are some like lasting thoughts you have? Anything? I don't know. We'll be back folks. We'll be back. These are going to be regular. Love it. This is good. I feel good to like get it off my chest a little bit and just like kind of sh- I mean, as dual, like uh, as dual as you experience this stuff all of the time and it's easier for us to call it out and see it because we're con- almost like conditioned to it as a first, totally. second, even a second, third time mom. I mean, you don't, you don't always catch these things. You don't see it in the moment as- again, especially when you're in that like vulnerable state already. So speaking of, I have a third time mom friend who has had literally dreamy birth. Oh my God. Dreamy birth. Her first and second birth. Okay. Dreamy. Third birth. She's like so close there. She's like 34 weeks or something. She just got diagnosed 
with too much amniotic fluid, which literally never happens. It happens like one to 2% of birth. It also has like three or four very strict things that could cause it. Right. Mm. And her doctors are threatening a C-section or an induction. And I was like, um, okay. So remind me why we have a reason to not trust your body after it has literally proved to do an amazing job. Both like she literally has no tearing. She, her labors ramp up. They start with contractions. Like she does hypnobirthing. It is so, I mean, hers are dreamy. We're going to, I'm sorry, we're going to give you a major abdominal surgery for something that happens one to 2% in all pregnancies and is like very curable. Now, I guess not curable. Curable is the wrong word. Manageable. That. Manageable. Totally. We don't have what? to. Assuming how far along is she? Not very far. No, yes, she is. She's like 34, 36 weeks. Like, why Wait. would your body make too much fluid? for your baby that is insane I guess I was saying 34 and like 34 35 weeks you said isn't I mean yes it's far along but like it's not like she's due tomorrow right it's not like she's due next week in the sense of why are we talking talking about a c-section right now especially if everything's looking good besides the fact that I have a lot of amniotic fluid apparently my baby needs a lot of fluid in there I've had two kids before this Okay, so I was actually trying to look at, like, what are the harms of, like, too much fluid, and I wasn't able to come up with very much. I actually wasn't able to come up with anything that I feel comfortable sharing because I need to look into that more and make sure that it's, like, yeah. actually correlated with amniotic, with, like, too much amniotic fluid and not something else, yeah. right? Like, so rare that I've, what like, a weird thing. On. Yeah, it's so rare that I've never worked with someone who has had this issue, but, like, like I said, Me my either. is, like, okay. I need, my baby needs some extra cushion. So strange. Needs some extra nutrients. So strange. Right? I don't know. Like maybe your baby pees too much, which I did find that in my research. I found that there was some medication that um, you could give that will stop the baby from urinating because if you are watching and you don't know that's what your amniotic fluid is a lot of it is is just your baby's like urine um and which is why your amniotic fluid is going to be continued to be made until your baby is born because they're going to continue to pee um but that medicine has associations with heart defects so like what why would we trade that it's just so bizarre um which I mean I think in the cases that it's actually like truly what that is because it does happen in one to two percent of cases right so it actually is a real thing um but it's just like low amniotic fluid or big babies or going past due dates it's such an easy thing to dangle as you know that that fruit or that shiny object and it is money I mean you have to think a vaginal delivery you're looking at less than ten thousand dollars right? Less than that. For a section, you're looking at 30 to 55, you guys. That's like a huge like that, difference. That's how we go from being a stream of income to a main source, like don't lose our L&D, they're good money, right? You just have to, and, and honestly, Caitlin and I do not say this to fear you or to scare you. Um, I don't want you to feel fear of that. I want you to do your own research. There are things that are, you know, good for you to know. So the book Push, the book Born in the USA, the book, um, is it Baby Catcher, I think, maybe, or Catching Baby, something like that. The um, documentary Why Not Home, the show, or the, the documentary the business of being born. There are a ton of things that you can watch to educate yourself on 
um, you know, the business side of birth, um, um, which is important to know as a consumer because it actually does impact you. It impacts their bottom line, but it impacts your body and your life after this. Um, so just know that, right? It, it's not meant to be scary. It actually gives you a lot of power if you'll dive into it in the correct way. And, um, you know, and I mean, you find those there decisions. are places, I mean, if we didn't, I, we need C-sections, right? We didn't have C-sections. This oh, totally. It would Pitocin too. Same thing. But I just don't understand why it has to be the first thing out of a provider's mouth is we're looking at a C-section or the, we're going to need Pitocin probably eventually at some point. Like, why even say those things when there's other things <laughs> that we can do? And like, didn't even introduce yourself first, literally busted the door. All right. C-section. And you're like, uh, um, right. And also, like, <laughs> talk to me. So like going back to this, like abundance of amniotic fluid, like, can we talk about like why this might be happening or why like the do's and the don'ts, or can we talk about like what tests we might need to run for this before we even say anything about a C-section? Can you like to come up to say like something is abnormal about your pregnancy? So we're going to have to have a C-section. You've just built on top of fear, on top of fear. On, I'm feared that something is abnormal and I'm feared that it's going to end in a C-section and I'm feared that my baby is going to now die. Where, like, how did we get from point A to point C so fast? And now this, this poor mom. In a 10 minute prenatal. Yeah. 10 minutes is all you have with this lady. Go, like scare the shit out of her. Right? Give it your all. That right. is literally what it feels like. I'm not kidding. Sometimes I do feel like they came out and they're like, I think I'm pretty sure it just came from battle. And I'm like, I, by the looks of you, I believe it. What happened? So to right? take, like the physical, like physical aspect of birth and how depleting the physical piece is and the emotional stuff. But on top of that, then adding the fact that you have to emotionally like deal with the things that your provider is telling you and like navigate that on top of everything else that you do in pregnancy and in labor to then have this like third emotional piece you shouldn't have to deal with that it should be the last thing that you have to deal with it shouldn't be even a piece of it but we it's see so moms, bad I mean moms will have c-section they come out and they're like I feel like I've just been to war I'm exhausted and most of the time, and is not, we are not debriefing the C-section procedure. We're debriefing everything that happened before that because that was the traumatizing part. That was where all of her energy was depleted on figuring out what her choices were because her provider wasn't telling her what her choices were. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. It is, you're mentally exhausted. And then when you get your wits back about you, what do you do? You sit at home and you think about all the ways that you were manipulated because now you can see it clearly and you're like, holy shit. I feel literally taken advantage of. Um, and it, it is devastating to me. It literally guts me. I mean, how many times do I cry? How much do I cry? I cry all the time. I literally am such a, I just, it gets me, you guys. It makes me really sad because I think like exactly what you said is we are conditioned and we have the relationships with those doctors, right? They are not our doctors. We have a professional relationship with them. We are not pregnant. We are not contracting. We have a very different relationship with these doctors. We also have history with some of these doctors. So we've already seen some of these doctors have manipulation in their past right so um i think it's very different than being the birth in person and speaking up 
but you are right. We are conditioned to call it out and to say, mm, you know, those are good options, but we actually didn't talk about these two. And I just want to remind you, we did talk about that in the prenatal. So mm-hmm. any questions about those? Do you want to ask your doctor? Do you have questions for me? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Do you want me to remind you, right? Turn to their partner. Questions for me, for the doctor, for your partner. Just pause. Right? Just a minute. Totally. More than a minute. Take like 20. 20 minutes. Yes. Like take 20 minutes. And you know what I learned too? You know what I learned was one of these bait and switches that we just had? Hold them to 20 minutes. When they come back in in five minutes and say, okay, time is up. You can say, um, okay, so I wouldn't say this. I would probably think like your watch is broken. You need to get a new watch. Um, But, you know, verbally you can say like, oh, do you mind if we actually have another 20 minutes if that's your 20 minutes can we have like three hours (laughs) to add on that I think it is so interesting that when there is a like decision to be made like this doctors are continuously like checking in on you every five yeah but when you're like laboring and if for some reason like I don't even know like what if you don't have a doula and it's just you and your support person in the labor room sometimes people don't see their doctors for like hours and you're like yeah them to come in and can't be found cannot be found can't be found but all of a sudden I I mean and granted sometimes there is a time clock there like sometimes there is that window of like we need to make a decision but again like 20 it's not shorter than 20 minutes yeah right it ain't shorter than 20 minutes if your doctor's coming in every five minutes to just to see if you've made a decision then that decision should have been made at that very beginning mark by your doctor who is like, it's now a life or death situation. Or they are trying to stop what you're right. trying to make. They are trying to interrupt your decision-making process and that is straight up manipulation. Right. Um, and I think it's fine to say like, do you mind just hanging out? And when we are ready for you, we will call you. That's how I actually love to leave it is like, do you mind if we have a few minutes and when we're ready for you, we will call you. And that's like an exact strip that I use pretty much every birth if we need to ask for 20 minutes um gosh there was something that you said that I wanted to touch on um remind me of what you were saying 20 minutes checking in every oh 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 Uh, yeah you guys like just be aware be aware when they're trying to like be a blockade yeah right be aware of that if you're um, feeling it, it's probably happening. True. Like yes, it's exactly feeling them in crowd, like encroaching on your space and like being kind of like that gnat in your ear and being annoying. Like then they are being annoying. Like, and they're not, they're not because, doing it. Yes. Because good providers do not ever make you feel like that. Good providers make you feel like you're like, wait, 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 wait. I actually don't want you to leave the room because I don't want to make this decision without you because you're literally ingrained in my team. We've both been at so many births where that's like that. And we're like, wait, we actually want the doctor in here to be like part of this conversation because they're on board. They're really adventurous. They are down to try new things and experiment to get that baby to descend, to get that lip to, um, you know, melt away, to get whatever that hip pain to, to end, whatever it might be. Those good providers, those good doctors, those good midwives, they're going to try with you and they are going to make you feel supported. They're going to be like a hug. If you are feeling like you need space between you and your provider, that is usually the beginning of like a downhill slope, right? 
Your provider is an integral part of that group and it should not, you should not want space from them. You really shouldn't. You should want them to be part of your decisions and to trust that you actually have the freedom to say yes or no. And either way, they're not going to be mad at you. They're not going to scare you. They're not going to try and throw like really wild things at you, um, you know, or shame you. Yeah. Your provider should be a tool in your toolbox that you're willing to use and brainstorm with and and talk to and just like, yeah, use their knowledge. Use trust. Their medical, trust them. Yeah. Use their medical knowledge. It should, you should be using it. Like, like you said before, like to answer questions or to bounce ideas off of it. Sh- it should be a useful tool. It shouldn't be something that's hindering your labor at all. Or an end all be all right. It, or an end all be all. We have to, we have to take into account that yes, these people did a lot of uh, schooling and they did a lot of residency work and they did a lot of, you know, clinical work before they got in, but they really did only go to one or two or three universities. They really have only worked at one or two or three hospitals, right? Um, there are going to be every single birthing person ever is going to have a different story. So that means every single birth that this provider comes across is going to be a new birth. It literally doesn't matter. Every single birth, even the same birthing person having two or three babies a couple years apart, they're all very different. There are never two births that are the same. They're literally your fingerprint. They are like snowflakes. That provider, it's always the first time they've been in that position. Maybe not a similar position, but nobody is going to have your exact story, right? And I think that's something that we lose a lot is like, okay, well, your water has broken and you don't have contractions. You need to be induced. Whoa. The research actually says I'm good to stay at home for 24 to 48 hours. I just need to make sure my baby is good and I'm all set. And, you know, I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z. I mean, I just think there are so many influential, like, individual Right. things that you have to take into consideration. Totally. So, and that's a prime example of okay, my water has broken instead of, you know, you call your provider and your provider says, "Great. This is your these are your options. This is what this can the next 48 hours can look like for you and if we get 48 hours, this is what your options will be at that point, not a okay, come in and let's get it, you know, come in right now and let's have an induction or let come in, you know, in an hour and we can schedule your C-section." Like, whoa. Where did this come from? I just really, yeah. I just really, 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 really want to point out that if your provider is concerned about you or your baby, but then you have to wait for things, they're not concerned for you or your baby. If something happens that actually doesn't mean that you need to go to the hospital and your provider tries to call you to the hospital, you should question why and if there is money behind that decision. Right. Correct? Like, it, it, it just makes sense. Like, if there's money driving that, it's not a huge deal. You just need to do a double take on whether that is the right choice for you. Right? That's, that's all I would say. Um, and so, gosh, be an educated consumer. How much do I harp on that, like, every single day of my life? Totally. Every single day of my life. I'm so annoying, but it's also so true. I just really important though. It is like it is. It and it's not talked about enough, which is why we started we did this little chit chat today. Yeah, it's true. It's not. So it's not. All right, sister. Thank you for hanging out with me, you guys. I know that you probably very much enjoyed this. I know you had to have enjoyed listening to Caitlin and I ramble on about hashtag bad doctors. 
I'm thinking about making a series actually on social media that's called hashtag bad doctors. And I just ramble on kind of about these doctors and, and what these, um, you know, experiences are like and how to spot hashtag bad doctors. So stay tuned. Not sure if I exactly want to do it. I mean, I want to do it, but I'm not sure if I'm brave enough to do it. It's hard to call out providers. Um, so but we not get all it. Providers are bad either. So I mean, maybe it could be it's true. I mean, we get we get really. I mean, we definitely have a really great labor. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. Um, and more than not, they're they're right. good, right? Ninety nine percent of providers and nurses are going to be amazing, but that one percent, you really do want to be equipped to recognize it and call it out and switch it out if you need if you need to, to switch it out so nevertheless Caitlin I understand how hard it is to really um, call out providers it's not comfortable but on the other end of that calling them out um, really is you know your dream birth your ideal labor um, or at least a labor that you feel empowered and supported with even if it doesn't go exactly according to plan because um, it probably won't go exactly according to plan. Nature's always going to have a role in that. So, all right, guys, thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Well, hey there again. It's nice to circle back to you. I hope that gave you a good idea of the conversations that we have inside the birth lounge with these providers and these professionals and these experts that I intentionally pull in so that you can have those raw and unedited conversations so that you can hear what you can truly expect within the birth room. Now, obviously, these are varied experiences that we have had at multiple hospitals. Please don't take anything and turn it into some sort of generalization or blanket statement. Nothing in this podcast is absolutely 100% going to happen to you or unfold exactly how it did in these stories for you. Make sure that you're keeping boundaries around your thoughts. Make sure that you're using your filters when you listen to stories. And of course, everything that we do here is done out of love. We never do anything to scare you. But in maternity care, in medicine in general, but specifically maternity care because there's so much at stake, because there is so much manipulation and coercion that happens, because there is so much money to be made in the birth world, with one root over the other, it's hard to talk about these sticky topics, these scarier topics, these taboo-ish topics without feeling a little bit of concern. I apologize for any uneasiness that you might have felt during this episode. However, I do stand by that these are good conversations for you to hear if you are going to be having a baby especially if you're having a baby within the American medical medical system. I'm really proud of you for showing up today. Thanks for hanging in throughout that whole conversation. Thanks for showing up for yourself and for me this week. I appreciate it. If you are interested in learning more about the Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com to check out that membership. You guys, it's a monthly membership for expecting parents, for new mamas, to learn about how to prepare for your birth, 
how to know your options when it comes to labor and delivery, how to understand your rights, how to have a more comfortable pregnancy, how to push for less than one hour and reduce tearing. I even prepare you for postpartum. I prepare you for infant sleep and infant development, for feeding your baby, breastfeeding, bottle feeding, formula feeding, combo feeding. We truly don't care what you choose. We just want you to choose what's best for you and we want you to choose something that you feel supported in, something that you feel educated on, something that you can be confident in what you're choosing. That's what we want for you. All right, guys, the doors for the Birth Lounge are currently closed, but they will be open at the end of the year. Head over to thebirthlounge.com to check. Depending on when you're listening to this podcast, they may or may not be open, but currently at the time of recording, they are closed. But you can still sign up to get alerts for when they do go open. Uh, Just go to thebirthlounge.com backslash waitlist, and you'll be able to join that. I'm not going to spam you, I promise. Um, I thoroughly dislike writing emails. Um, so I am probably the least emailiest person you've ever met in your life. Um, emails, really, they're just like the bane of my existence. I, I truly, like in my inbox right now, let me open this up for you. I can tell you. Well, right now I have 317 unread client messages, and that's just in the last 48 hours. Um, On one email, I have 2,438 emails unread, and then on one, I have 55,102. So, you guys, I'm not going to spam you with email. I literally try and stay away from email as much as possible. Just get on that wait list if you're interested in joining the Birth Lounge. Um, We'll let you know when doors open. It'll be at the end of the year, the end of 2020. Oof, where is the end of 2020? Feels like this year doesn't end. All right, guys, happy Tuesday. I'll be back to hang out with you on Friday for another Friday free talk. Until then, take care, stay educated, stay empowered. See you on Friday, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. Just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. 
Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.